belong, become, believe. You're listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. The message for December 3rd, 2023 is called The Slow Revelation of Hope, First Sunday of Advent. The speaker is Logan Wilton and the location is Central United Methodist Chapel in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Welcome here today, Grace Church. To those that are here with us in person and to those that are joining us online, I just want to thank you for joining us today. My name is Logan Wilton, and today I have the honor of speaking to you on behalf of the kids here at Grace Church. Now, this is the second Jesus Club that we have done, and I just wanted to start by expressing my thanks for being part of a church where the voices of our children have a chance to shine. I think that is just something really special that you don't often see. And so for those that weren't a part of the first Jesus Club we did here at Grace, um, here's a quick rundown of what we'll be doing today. In Kids Sunday, two Sundays ago, Tim and I sat down with the kids and we asked them questions about the passage that we'll be going through today. And I've used their responses and insights from that time to craft the message that you'll be hearing today. So some of it will be my thoughts, some of it will be the kids' thoughts, some of it will be hopefully the thoughts of the ancient Israelites. So that's what we got going on today. And you have your craft to do, so don't forget about that. Does that all sound good? All right. Let's do it. So this week, we are going to be kicking off our Advent season with the lighting of the Hope Candle. We begin this season of Advent on the topic of hope to help center our minds and our souls on the promise of the life and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a time of the year filled with awe, wonder, and a sense that despite the hardship that we go through, everything is going to work out to be okay. But I do think that hope is sometimes something a little bit more complicated than we like to make it out to be in this season. You see, for there to be something for us to hope in, especially when it comes to the magnitude of hope that we ascribe to Jesus, we need to reckon with the fact that there is a chaos being experienced in the midst of this. Whatever we hope for in Jesus, whether that be the hope of restoration, a heavenly home, the healing of relationships, or more, we have to admit to ourselves that those things are not yet whole. We admit that there is a need for something to change, and that we are not alone, that we alone are not able to fix it. And the really frustrating piece regarding the act of hoping that I've encountered both in the Bible and in my own life is that it is slow. It is a slow, arduous, and often feels like a drawn-out process. It's not the act of hoping once and seeing that thing come to fruition. Easy. Um, it's the act of hoping and then trusting and then hoping again and then not seeing results and then choosing to continue to trust despite this, choosing to see hope when it feels hopeless, and this just goes on over and over and over again. In my own life, I've had to live this cycle of prolonged hope in the midst of chaos. Last year, while I was in Canada and my wife Betty was here in Arkansas, I had to engage with our hope of one day being together again soon from within this state of prolonged uncertainty. We had to place our hope, our trust, and our prayers into forces that were outside of our control. We made plans to get me down here, and those fell apart. And then we made secondary plans that looked good to get me down here, and then those also fell apart. 
And after a long six months of being apart, we were finally reunited and I was able to move down here. And it was in this time, this six months, this slow process, that I learned about the slow daily practice of putting hope in Jesus to bring peace into our lives. And in retrospect, I'm somewhat thankful my sojourn in Canada only lasted six months. Because the passage that we're looking at today comes from the book of Isaiah, and it was written for a people that were living in a situation that seemed absolutely hopeless. The Israelites had just been exiled from their homeland, and many were living as captives in a foreign land. While my situation felt like an eternity lasting six months, we're going to learn from the experience of the Israelites during which they had to cling to hopes and promises made to them that wouldn't come to fruition come to fruition for hundreds of generations. The promises made to them that had to be passed down to their children, and then to their children, and then to their grandchildren, there was a need to choose hope in these future promises every day, day after day, for hundreds of years. I think this is a type of hope that we sometimes forget here in North America, this desperate, slow crawl towards a hope that we can't be sure we're even going to see with our own eyes. And so that is the situation that we want to try and step into today. Through the eyes of the kids here at Grace, we're going to step into a small snippet of the hope the Israelites were given regarding the coming of their future king. We're going to look at four names that are given to describe this future king who would revolutionize their lives and deliver them to freedom. A future king that would be, give or take, 500 years down the line for the people who are hearing this message for the first time. And as we step into the shoes of the Israelites, I invite you to take stock of the emotions that you feel. Hearing these names, what would it feel like to place your hope in someone who will one day embody them, but that you might not meet in your lifetime? How would it feel the dream of this person will bring freedom to the future generations? Would you feel frustrated that you may not experience it in your lifetime? Or are you relieved that the future of your people is secured to someone who will embody these names? So let's take a deep breath. And let's seek to feel the hope that exists within this small snippet of who Jesus would become. So here's our verse for the day. We're reading out of Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Amazing Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So the first name in this passage that is given to the Israelites was the name Amazing Counselor. And for our kids, we worked with the name Amazing Teacher to help contextualize it for them. And so before diving into what hope we felt at knowing that Jesus was going to be a wonderful teacher, we wanted to first explore what this title would look like in our own lives. What are the attributes that came to the mind of our kids when they heard the name Amazing Teacher? Well, first, Ben and Levi Rogers said that the teachers that they consider amazing in their lives are the teachers who are hard workers and endure in their passion for teaching. 
They are the teachers that stick with their students when life or schoolwork is really tough. They encourage their students, and they want to see what's best for them. Both Charlie and Milo thought of the amazing teachers in their lives and said that one of the reasons that they are so amazing is because of the spaces of safety that they create for their students. Their teachers and mind are kind and caring. They are good listeners and respectful to their students. And I think most importantly, they are focused on cultivating environments where their students feel safe to be themselves. The language of safety came up a lot in our discussion around Jesus being an amazing teacher to us. And in the, and in the eyes of our children, that is where the hope of this name lies. The language of G Jesus being a teacher in our lives, someone who's going to help us learn, who cares about who we are and who we are becoming, is hopeful because if Jesus is this amazing teacher that he has promised to be, then the promise here is that we can trust Jesus with our lives and the safety that he creates for us. We can hope and trust that he'll be a teacher who listens, who walks alongside us in the good and the bad, and that we will be cared for as we learn during this life. In the situation of the Israelites, they were just taken out of the only lives they had ever known. They were shipped off to foreign lands, and they needed to know that they could trust their God to guide them through this. To create, these, to create these safe places and help teach them what life could look like in exile. The future was frightening for them. But I think that hearing this name could have instilled some hope that they were not going to be alone in figuring out what it was going to entail. So next, we are given the, given the name Mighty God. The future promise of Jesus is that he is going to be mighty in the eyes of his people. So what visions were cast in the minds of our kids upon hearing this name for Jesus? This one ended up compounding on the previous name we were given and expanded on the concept of safety. From all of the kids present at Jesus Club, visions of Jesus on the cross and his sacrifice for us came to mind. Jesus is mighty in their minds because he has the power to save us from difficult circumstances. Eli once again equated the name Mighty God with an overwhelming feeling of safety. This is good news because it means not only can Jesus open up these safe places for us to exist and be an amazing teacher to us in them, but he's also able to protect and strengthen this safety because he is mighty. His power is one that is used on our behalf to help guide us and protect us, to endure alongside us in our situations and help lift the veil of things in our lives that we do not understand. I imagine the Israelites would have experienced a similar feeling hearing this name as our kids did. Hearing that the future king will be mighty after hearing that he will also be an amazing teacher, I think would have led me to breathe a deep sigh of relief. Once again, for them in exile, not only is he going to be able to create safety for us as we learn this new way of life, but he's going to be able to protect us in that safety. When we are vulnerable, when we are experiencing chaos, we can know that we are safe in the experience because we worship a God who is mighty. The next name given once again works in community with the first two, further strengthening their cases, and I think, leading to another deep sigh of relief upon hearing it. The name Everlasting God is ascribed to this future king that the Israelites are hearing about. When our kids heard this, they found solace in how this name interacts with Jesus' memory. 
Jesus is not fleeting, and he will never know an end, and that means that he will never forget us. While situations may drag on and generations may pass, Jesus is going to remember us. When enduring a hardship feels like a lifetime to us, we can take comfort in knowing that Jesus has seen others through hardships. He saw the Israelites out of Egypt. And we, and we know on this side of history that he saw the Israelites out of exile in Babylon. And we know that Jesus' love still endures to this day. And so I hope that this vision the Israelites hearing in this time of Isaiah, I hope they would have thought of this as well. I hope their minds were drawn back to the Exodus and how God saved them then. Jesus, their future king, will be this amazing teacher, who will be this mighty God. He's also everlasting. He's guided his people through hardship in the past, and he's going to guide us through hardship today, and he's going to guide our children through hardship one day as well. The promises made in the first two names given in this passage will always reign true. And I think that gives immense strength to the human experience when life can feel so desperate sometimes. And finally, we reach the crescendo of these four names, the one that ties it all together. The future king that the Israelites are going to be anticipating is going to be the Prince of Peace. And I'm sure at first this actually might have been kind of a jarring name to hear. Hearing this name from a place of exile where memories of violence were still fresh in the minds of the Israelites. I think there was kind of this hope that their future king might be a bit more of a warrior for them, maybe potential vengeance on the people who took them from their home. And the one who brings peace, it might have been a hard name to stomach at first. But I think our kids put it beautifully when they asked, when asked what they thought of this name. Our kids thought of the relationships they saw both in their day-to-day -day lives but they also cast their minds to the world around them. Charlie mentioned the bully in her school and that how she hoped there could be peace between them and the kids that they were in conflict with. Not hope for a punishment, not hope that this kid gets what he deserves, but one of restoration of relationships between the two parties that were in conflict. Our kids also looked to the chaos in the world around them and hoped that the name of Jesus, our Prince of Peace, would bring peace to the wars and the conflicts in the other part of the world. And I can't lie, there are some terrifying actions taking place in our world right now. Genocide and war seem to be at the forefront of every newscast and every political conversation that we see right now. In times like this, we need the hope that Jesus will not only bring peace, but that we can place our trust in him knowing that he will fulfill all the promises that he is this amazing teacher who cares about creating safe places for us. That he is a mighty God who has the strength to protect and care for the safety he creates. That he is everlasting, that those promises will reign true forever. That he has seen this in the course of human history and he has delivered people out of it before. And that his love will endure far past our time here on earth. That the cause of peace today doesn't only rest on our shoulders right here, right now, but that we have a relationship with a God who not only cares about peace, but is literally the prince of it. This is a facet of Jesus's personality that is so core to his role in the world that the prophets invoked imageries of royalty to drive home to the people hearing it just how crucial 
this will be to our hope in this future king. And I think the really beautiful part about this passage is that these are just four snippets given to us into the complex character and the complete character of who Jesus is. These four names, amazing teacher, mighty God, everlasting God, and the Prince of Peace are all true and core to who Jesus is, but also just parts of the larger pattern of all that Jesus is to us today. Jesus is the amazing teacher, the mighty and the everlasting God, and the Prince of Peace, and still he is so much more than just that. And that mosaic of strength, peace, care, and kindness is who we get to place our hope in. And their answers to hearing these names, Ben and Levi said that if these names were to be incarnated and to walk among us, that he would feel that they would be good and safe people to be around, people that they'd want in their lives. I mean, the world is hard right now. The world may continue to be a hard place to live, and it has been a hard place for people to live in. And we are blessed to live in a in a unique time where we can see the acts of Jesus throughout history. Unlike the Israelites for when this passage was first written, we can see the impact that both Jesus' life and his death had on the world around us. We can learn from the Exodus. We can learn from the plight of the Israelites in Babylon, from the life that Jesus lived here while he was on earth, and we can learn from our own lived experience of his mighty work in our lives. And so I encourage us in this season of Advent to continue to hope, despite what might be going on around us and in the world. Let's continue to hope. Just as the Israelites did living in Babylon, who didn't get to see the promises of this passage fulfilled in the person of Jesus in their lifetime, just as they continued to hope, let's continue to look to the, sorry, Let's continue to look to the promises still yet to be fulfilled in our lifetime. Let's use the wisdom from our kids today to inform the way in which we anticipate Jesus' coming in this Advent season. It is an everyday process to choose this hope and to believe in it. And I pray that we as a church commit to seeking this hope together, to be there for each other in the joy and in the pain, to help focus our lives on the promise of who Jesus was, who Jesus is, and who he will be. I'd like to call the worship team forward now and call Eli and Charlie up to service communion. As they come up, I just would like to thank once again, thank our wonderful children here at Grace for the wisdom that they share with us. It never ceases to amaze me what I continually learn from them and how they see the world. So thank you guys so much for what you bring to this church. And as you come up for communion, if you've written on one, bring your candle. We have the box right up front there. You can slide your candle there, grab your communion. Thank you guys for letting me speak today. Thank you for listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. If you would like to give, you can go to gracechurchmwa.org forward slash give. You can find more about us online at gracechurchmwa.org. Grace and peace.